Hi, my name's Matthew Jude from This Game's Broken and I am under no duress and saying this of my own free will. Board game mechanics are great. They're real good. They do games good. They know stuff about fun. That's the whole script. It doesn't even make sense. Everybody, it is almost spring. It probably is technically spring, I guess, but it'll start feeling that way. I, I guess I don't know why I talk about the weather so much to start the game. Uh, we're the board game meteorologists. I'm Joel, and with me, as always, is <laughs> hey guys, I'm Jason. What's going on? Uh, so yeah, uh, wow, uh, I'm pretty excited. I think uh, it's in the air a little. That it's you know the weather is getting better, and that definitely hypes me. But the other thing, too, is we're going to be playing some board games severely this weekend. So that is really, really awesome for me. Yep, that's true. I'm pretty pumped about BGM Con for sure. The 10th or something. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many. Five, maybe? Yeah, this one this one may be your favorite one, Jason, because I'm not sure if like hardly anybody can make it. Oh, so yeah. it might just be like the three of us just smashing out heavy board game after heavy board game. Sounds good to me. I'm in. <laughs> well, cool. Uh, I don't know, man. Anything new? Uh, not too much. Uh, I ended up getting some dental work yesterday. Had to get a root canal. That was fun. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. So. Woof. But I will say my tooth does feel better today, which is nice. Yeah, that is good. <laughs> yeah, I, I went to work half day just because my mouth was numb and I couldn't really talk. So it would have been pretty bad to have to deal with other coworkers when I sound like I'm drunk. So. It, I, I've never gotten a root canal. Like, how long does it take for it to fully be like, hey, this feels really good? Is it like a few days or is it like pretty great today? Uh, uh, it doesn't hurt at all today, but I still have to go in and get a crown because I, uh, just, I just have a temporary filling and it takes like two hours just to do the root canal part. Yeah. So they, didn't, they only blocked me in for two hours, so they didn't have enough time. So I got to go back in, which kind of stinks, but it is what it is. I've heard it's crazy. They put like a little like skirt around your tooth and like... Yeah, it's crazy. You have like a tarp over your face, essentially. Yeah. 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 And like, I don't know, man, I I need to be put under probably for that. I'm a wimp. It doesn't hurt. It's just interesting. Like at one point you put this thing in my mouth and it was smoking. That that doesn't necessarily feel make me feel the greatest, but eh. That's always the worst, man. <laughs> like I always hate that smot, that hot, hot tooth smell. Oh yeah. It's Ugh. terrible. Yeah. Yep. Like the things in life that are terrible are the ones that don't have any board games named after them. The only, <laughs> the only dentistry board game I can think of is like, that crocodile game where he pushes teeth down. Uh, oh yeah, that's true. But then he bites you, so that's even that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Well, hey, today we're going to be looking at some news, like we always do. I think we're going to look at a few games we played, and this is our top three Uwe Rosenberg games, which I think people have been anxiously awaiting. So, uh, anyway, I guess without us doing too much weird stuff up top here, we'll get right to it. All right, so I have two pieces of news I wanted to talk about. Uh, the first one I wanted to talk about is actually something that I wanted to mention because it actually hits me kind of personally. So it's a, well, it's an RPG game that's designed specifically for kids that have autism. And it's called Critical Core, and it's from a company called Game to Grow. So it looks like it's everything that you need to play right out of the box for three players. And... I say it says plays from ages nine plus, and when I looked at it on Kickstarter, it looks like a normal, like a, a regular RPG. So I don't know what the difference is, but it did mention that somehow it does it the way that it works. It handles better for kids on the autism spectrum. So I wanted to mention that because my oldest daughter has autism, and it kind of 
hits close to home. So I thought that was pretty neat. I think RPG games period are awesome for people with autism. I mean, like I know I've played with adults with autism that are on the spectrum and they just, they love it. And I think it's awesome that it gives them a chance to think like in a less than concrete way. The other thing too is, um, I definitely like I teach special ed, so I help individuals who are impacted with autism. And I have a D and D like core rulebook 5.0 at my like at school, and I keep it behind my desk because like one of my students who is definitely impacted by autism, he he uh, man he would look at that thing for hours and hours and hours if I just let him. So I've got to like kind of ration it, but it's awesome. It gets kids reading. So I know a lot of people out there are adult readers because of RPGs and because of playing games like D and D. So that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, it's my—it's actually something that I'm considering backing, just because in a few years I'll be able to play that, so that'll be interesting. You'll you'll suffer through it for your daughter, huh? That I will. Yep. All right. So the next thing, a little, you know, it's not as serious. It's a sillier game. So and it, okay, I'm not I'm not gonna try and like be like totally okay. You know, you go ahead and say the name of the game, and then after that, I'm gonna tell you what I thought was going on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this is Carnival Zombie Second Edition. So okay, you said this one hits close to home, and that's the first game listed. <laughs> and I was like, is this like a like a ICP board game or something that Jason's like really feeling sentimental about, or what's going on here? Well, yeah, I put that down first only because I didn't find the RPG until after, and then yeah, but <laughs> that would be that would be a little odd. Yes, I agree with you. Um, so all I know about this game, I didn't really dive into it too much, but I've watched some reviews on it and. This is a co-op game where you're fighting off hordes of zombies. In the daytime, you're trying to recoup your health and go around and collect items. And then at nighttime, they're going to be coming around trying to pummel you. The interesting thing about this one is when you kill the zombies, you take the cubes. The zombies are represented by cubes. So I'm, I'm in automatically. So you take the cubes, you drop it on this little area that has all the other cubes. And any cubes that fall off this circle become new zombies that are going to come attack you. So you're trying to juggle this, you know trick of hey i need to kill eight zombies but if i kill eight zombies 12 more are going to come in because they're going to fall off this pile that's interesting so i wanted to mention it and people have been wanting to play this wanting this game to come back out for a long time so 26 days left fully funded go check it out carnival zombie so i've got one i want to mention real quick too jason uh there's a game on kickstarter right now that um looks really interesting to me it's called crumbs i don't know if you've seen this one or not no i didn't see that it's a, it's in a park and you play as like one of these four different factions, I believe, like the squirrels, the ducks, different things in the park who like love to eat the crumbs that the old lady gives them. And basically you're collecting crumbs to get more actions that you can do because it takes more calories to, you know, like I think do the actions and I'm probably totally botching this, but basically I, you, you play as like, uh, you know, like pigeons, ducks, chipmunks and squirrels, I think are the four factions and they do all kinds of just crazy stuff. Um, but this granny keeps dropping crumbs. You're trying to collect these crumbs. You're trying to like take over control of this park. I think it looks really cool to me. I'm going to just go ahead and admit this. It's got a really cool looking board with a fence around the outside of it. So it's like this really adorable park you're playing in, but it's definitely an area control game called crumbs. I think it looks kind of cool. So, uh, I think that one's worth checking out over on Kickstarter. Just take a look at it. It looks neat. Yeah. That one never even came up for me, which is interesting. I'm trying to find it now and I can't even find it. Yeah. It might not even be on Kickstarter yet. I just know I saw a game trailer of it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It's by tidbit games. I'm going to give them a shout out. So if you go to tidbitgames.com uh, forward slash crumbs, I think you can see it there. Cool. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into some games that were played. So uh, I'll get started. The first game I played is a game that's been out for a bit. I think it came out in 2014. I should know this because I did a review of it, and I typed that into the screen, but I don't. 
and that game is Kings of Israel. This is a co-op game made by the same company that did Wisdom of Solomon, Fun Hill Games. And you're trying to eradicate sin, eradicate some of the golden idols that are throughout the land before it progresses through all of the the kings of Israel's history and Israel gets destroyed. You can also lose if you place all your cubes out on the board or all your idols out on the board and you can't, if you have to place another one and you can't place it. So this game's kind of pandemic-y. You get four actions on your turn. Um, before everybody's turn, you're going to flip some location cards and it's going to put sin on certain locations. Uh, you're trying to go through to these locations to clean off cubes. You can take two actions to clean off a calf. You can, you have to win the game by building so many, um, altars across the land depending on number of players it's a cool game i played it solo as a two-player and i really enjoyed it because it's co-op you can do that and that's kings of israel check out the video on youtube if you're interested and want to know more yeah that doesn't seem too bad um you are the go-to guy for like religiously themed games for sure yeah i like them and they need more coverage so i want to do what i can yeah, for sure. And I mean, like, I don't know. It sounds like it does borrow heavily from Pandemic, kind of, but I don't know. It's its own thing, too, it seems. Yeah, it's it's a little different, but there's it definitely, you can tell they were fans of Pandemic. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is a game called Songbirds, Jason. Um, this is from Daily Magic Games. It's kind of a neat game. Um, basically, you're setting up an array of five rows and five columns and then putting a card in the middle of the five and five. So in the, in the second row or third row, third column, you're putting a, a card to start there. Uh, like almost like the free spot on a bingo, like right in the center. And then basically there's like these rows and columns that all have berries on the top of them or in the, in the rows. And these berries are worth a certain amount of points. And so what happens is it's basically like a, almost a trick taking or like a majority kind of game where you're putting down cards, kind of like Arboretum where they're like placed orthogonally with each other. And then whatever, whenever a row gets completed with five cards, you figure out which color bird was the loudest in that little row. And that color bird gets the, the points. So um, if we're in a row, we let's say we have, uh, you know, two white birds that their values on them, they each have an individualized value. Their values are like two and four. And then there's a green bird worth seven. And then a blue bird worth uh, four and a blue bird worth three. That's kind of an interesting example because there's two that are tied at seven. And so it's got an interesting mechanic where if there's a tie at the top place, then the next highest bird uh, group gets that point. So that's kind of a cool way that you can steal points for the color that you want. Um, by like kind of sabotaging people by putting that like missing number in there. Cause you're laying down a card in this array every turn. And this is basically all you do. And then, uh, at the end of the game, you still have one card left in your hand and that's your favorite type of bird. And so whatever the value of that card is in your hand, you get that many points plus the number of berries on that, on that color birds like place. So if I scored, you know, 40 points for the red birds or there aren't any red birds, I don't think there's like orange birds. Um, and then I had like a six of orange in my hand. I would have scored 46 points in that round. And then like, you know, like my wife played this with me. She actually did this really well. She saw like, I really, really showed like what I was going to play early on. I was like going really heavy into white and she totally knew that I was like going to play hard into white. So she kept, she had the seven of white, which is the highest white card. And she hung on to that. And she like, she just knew that I was going to try and stack up white and she was just really quiet about it. Let me get a ton of points for it and then just put down a card better than mine at the end. So it's got kind of like a hidden identity, kind of who are you trying to back kind of thing going to it, as well as some like area control, area management, kind of not area management, area majority and like almost trick taking into it, too. So it's got a bunch of little neat mechanics in it. It's super simple. You can explain the game in like two minutes. It doesn't take very long to play. There's a ton of variance in it. 
Um, this is one that I'm going to have a, a review up here before too long. My my games I need to review list is at like five right now, but thankfully I'm going to be on spring break, so I'm planning on pounding out one or two a day and getting out five reviews in the next you know two weeks, and this will be one of them. So check our YouTube channel for this review. Um, really neat little game. I think it's super cute. I think it's not quite out yet. Um, I think you can pre-order it, though, and it's pretty cheap. Yeah, this is funny. I was out with Katie for her anniversary, and she picked up this game, and I kind of just shrugged it off, and then you posted about playing it today, so... Maybe I should have listened to her and checked it out. Yeah, it's a pretty neat little game. Interesting. All right. Another day, I guess. All right. So the second game I want to talk about is another co-op. So I've been playing a bunch of co-ops, and that's weird. But this game is about saving some endangered species of animals, in this case specifically tigers. And the game is called Endangered. Uh, This is from Grand Gamers Guild, and what you're doing in this is you're taking on the role of like a lobbyist, um, a nature TV show host, a zoologist, there are a couple other roles, and you're trying to do actions by placing dice on these spaces to get tigers into the same space so they can be a mating couple. You're trying to um, get get them clear of the deforestation that's happening. You're trying to earn money so you can bribe these ambassadors because to win the game, you need four of these um, seven ambassadors to vote yes for you. And they each have different kinds of criteria based on how much influence is on them and one other kind of scenario that plays out on the board. You're doing this through like some card playing. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's an interesting game. I'm doing a terrible job at explaining it, but if you want to see how it plays, there's a video on YouTube. You can go check it out and it's going to be hitting Kickstarter, I think, next week. And I really enjoyed it. This is a co-op that is one that I thought was super fun. So if you like co-ops, you like a cool endangered animal theme, go check it out. And that's Endangered. Cool, man. Um, Artemis Project was their other game that was kind of hyped last year um, that you really liked. And I think it went over really well with a lot of people. So It's true. Um, hopefully hopefully this one's as good as that. I, I would think it is. It looks really cool. So this is why board game designers need to just call me up and be like, hey, Joel, tell me some awesome ideas. And then I'll make the game and you can be like a uh, concept guy or something i don't know or just give me like a free copy i don't know um take that same game that you have there but now all of a sudden instead of trying to save animals you've got one team that's like trying to like hunt down bigfoot and make bigfoot like captured and another team is trying to like make the bigfoot like breed and reproduce and and be happy in the nature so i don't know maybe that's the expansion the bigfoot expansion (laughs) endangered that would be cool (laughs) i mean i don't think it's going to happen but that'd be kind of cool that would that would be cool I also played uh, Dice Throne, Jason. Um, so this is game two out of ten this year I've bought. So um, someone, someone, enough people have posted it over on the Riveted and said it's a lot of fun to play. Uh, it looks neat. It looks like it hits some of those Magic the Gathering tones um, with some Yahtzee overtones. And my wife just really loves Yahtzee. So um, this is when I thought, eh, maybe she'll enjoy it and get into something a little heavier than just Yahtzee. I haven't played it with her, and I'm pretty sure she's going to hate it, but that's okay. It's not a bad game. Um, I, I don't know. If it's only one of two, if it's only two of ten games that I'm going to buy this year, I might have a little bit of regrets on it. It's not a ten for sure, um, and I'd love to, if I'm only going to buy ten games in a year, have all nines and tens. This one's probably a seven and a half or eight. It's not bad. I need to play it more. I think the second season probably has more interesting characters in it, but I played the first season. That's the one I picked up. Pretty cool, though, because you're upgrading your player mat. Using basically the same Yahtzee mechanic, though, of getting straights, small straights, Yahtzees, things like that, to try and place your die on this mat to do different actions to take people's health away. And then whoever you're trying to take the health from gets a counter roll. And each character kind of has slightly different powers, slightly different ways they play. Um, pretty neat little game. Not too complicated to teach. Um, 
it's got really nice packaging. Like the little trays where everything goes in it are really cool. The dice are really nice. Um, I would say overall, not a bad game. Um, not positive I'd suggest it yet. I need to play it some more. Um, this is one of the five or so that I want to review before uh, before the end of next week. So check out YouTube again for that one probably. Um, in both games you mentioned too, Jason, I saw that you had YouTube reviews up. Um, I, I'm going to be honest, I didn't watch the Kings of Israel review, but I did I did take a look at the Endangered review a little bit. So um, pretty cool. Uh, really like it. Pretty awesome. Yeah, this is one we actually looked at when we were at the game store as well. And I thought I heard people say that it was like king of tokyo but one-on-one combat and that's kind of interesting because i really like king of new york and king of tokyo but i hate one-on-one combat so i refrained yeah it's it's a little mean yeah that's what i figured that's sad i mean like i don't know king of tokyo is kind of mean too though really i mean that's true but you're being mean to everybody yeah i mean that yeah yeah, it's not just one-on-one i'm not just picking on one person that that's where i struggle with those kinds of games that's fair that's fair All right, so here at the Board Game Mechanics, we're okay fans of Uwe, so we figured we would talk about our three favorite Uwe games, and I'll be honest, the three that are on my list are the only three that I've played, so they're my three favorite, Ooh. so <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> that explains, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> yeah, because I have some that I'm interested in, I just haven't gotten a chance to play them yet. Yeah, well, that's cool. Um, I don't know, I think this is kind of fair too, I mean, like... I don't know. If you really wanted to play a game, you would have played it. So I don't know. Yeah, it's there's true. one. True. There's one. I'm gonna. It's on neither one of our lists, and I think it's a game that both of us need to play, um, and we just haven't because it's kind of an expensive game, and it's not my thing really, and I don't think it's necessarily your thing with manipulating those like different shapes, and that's a feast for Odin. So uh, I don't yeah, think either one of true. us has played that. I think we'd probably both like it. Okay, um, but I mean, I guess in the comments or over on our Facebook or something, just come tell us why it's great and why we should play it. I mean, like, I know that people love it and I know it's really pretty heavy and, and supposed to be pretty good, um, but I just haven't played it. And I just, I don't know, man, I don't like, it has that thing like from Cottage Garden, right? Where like you're laying different shape stuff down on your mat, right? Yeah, I think so. You're doing that. And then there's like 94 places that you can go do work replacement stuff. And it's crazy. Yeah. And then Nussfjord, I haven't played. I mean, like that one looks really great. Um, Fields of Arlie or Arl or however you say it, um, looks kind of cool too. Um, but I haven't actually played those yet either. So that's full disclosure. I haven't played those. Um, I played most all the rest of his big hitters, I guess. Other than that though. Yeah. Um, yeah, I only played these three. (laughs) Hey man, you know what? I appreciate your transparency. Like you don't try and fake it. Like I'm, I'm the boy who has played all the Uve games and these are the three curated (laughs) picks I pick, you know? I mean like, (laughs) I don't know. You can tell why you like these three, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Well, Jason, I'm going to go ahead and just mention my first game, okay. which is Glass Road. I like this game quite a bit. It's got some neat things about it, but the thing that really sticks out about this game is it has these like rondelle-type dials for all your resources you gather. So it's kind of neat because basically if you can move this knob up, you do. This lever up, you do. So if you ever get sets of resources, you immediately are going to turn them into bricks or turn them into glass. So... Um, if I get all the elements I need to make glass, I'm definitely going to build glass. It automatically happens. I automatically lose one of every resource in that set and develop it into glass. But that's okay because usually I need glass and bricks to build the best buildings and the things I want to really do in the game. However, that said, there are times where I want to build certain buildings or do certain things where I need other resources, not glass or bricks. So you've got to kind of figure out, okay, I need to hold that dial in place by not having any, you know, food or whatever. And then, and then, 
spend these other resources before I make more glass. Um, but it's kind of cool. I think the theme of it is basically set in a time where you'd want to develop a community. But the community that you're developing is, is I think, more or less, really, it's just um, it's in a time where glass had just become invented. Like j- glass was brand new and bricks were brand new. So we're building kind of state of the art structures by developing glass panes and and making this kind of kind of cottage area. It's also got another mechan- neat mechanic in it too. Mechanic in it too. Um, it's almost like it's almost like it reminds me a little bit of broom service. Not not entirely, but it's like you put down a card and you play it face down, and then you still have a hand of like four cards. Well, then you flip your card over. There's 15 cards total. You're picking five of them for your hand. You put one face down. So one third of the cards you keep in your hand. And then if somebody has an identical card to that in their hand, so out of that one third of cards they would have picked, they can also play it down as well. And so then if they play it down in addition to you, it's kind of like, again, like broom service. You have to split the actions on the card. Um, if you're the only person to pick that card, then basically you get both sides of the card, both both parts of the card. So you're not only trying to pick the best action for you, period. But you're also trying to pick an action that you don't think anyone else is going to pick, so you don't have to share it. So it's got some kind of neat things going on in it. And the other thing too is it's much lighter than most other Uve uh, games that had come out around that came out around that area era. And the other thing too is like, I mean, if this sounds really cool to you, Jason, like you, myself, and Katie could play this this weekend in forty five minutes to an hour. So it's just a pretty quick little game. So uh, Glass Road. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in this one. It's just one of those games that nobody around me has. It's not even really for sale at a bunch of game stores, and I don't really want to buy a game that I haven't played yep. before. So oh, that's fair. Yeah, that's totally fair. All right, so I'm going to talk about probably the lightest of the Uve games that I've played of the three that I've played, and I've played it more than all of them, and that is Bonanza. Uh, I, I love this game. Uh, you're collecting, you're planting beans. You're trying to get as many of these certain kinds of beans as you can to score coins. And then whoever has the most points at the end of the game is the winner. That's essentially the game. Um, you can play it, I think, up to five people. We've even played it more than you're supposed to. It's kind of crazy at that point, but you can play it with however many you want. Um, if you like silly card games and set collection, then i definitely say check this one out, and that is Bonanza. I've played more than three Uwe Rosenberg games, and this is my number four. I think it's just a good game. It's It's rock solid. It's a good negotiation game. Um, it's, it's a good way to find out if your friends are cheaters or not, because it's so easy to shuffle cards around in your hand and cheat, but don't do that. And don't play with people who would cheat. So, um, it's a cool game though. Terrible art. And it's definitely a relic of (laughs) almost 20 years ago, but it's, it's a cool game. Not bad at all. All right, cool. Hey, Jason, um, maybe we both can talk about this one. Uh, I'm guessing, (laughs) um, my, my number two game, uh, my second favorite, is Lahav and man, is it so close between these two? Lahav and my number one game, um, they they aren't the same game at all. I mean, really, one you're building ships, the other one you're doing a different thing. Um, but they're both worker placement games, and this one though, it just feels like the exact opposite in a way of of my number one game because it's just so easy to do what you want to do in this game. It's like, man, just wait till the resources pile up and grab just tons of resources, and it's just like it's like the part of you that wants to be efficient and get economies of scale and really like have like this awesome, like, man, I just have this wealth of riches now. And how do I make all these like great choices work the best for me? That that's what this game does really well to me, I think. And then, and then the other piece too is it's one of those games too, where it's like you lose track of what you really want to do. So the game really is about trying to get the best materials to build some boats. 
And I just lose track of that because I get so interested in being efficient and getting the best stuff that I'm not looking at getting the right stuff sometimes. So that kind of hurts me in my strategy. But man, it just is really a lot of fun to play. And this is one that I played actually with my dad even. So like my dad's definitely a casual gamer. So it's not totally hard to get into or inaccessible. Um, Lahav, there's a short and a long version too. And I, man, I'm, I think I might be opposite of you on this one. I think the short version gives you a pretty full game, honestly. Um, and it feels pretty good. Um, the long version goes on just a little longer than I like, but yeah, Lahav, do you, do you like Lahav, Jason? I do like Lahav and I'll talk about it right now. So my number two is Lahav. I actually ranked mine in how often I played them. So the first one I talked about was when I played the most. Lahav is the second and my third one will be the one I played the least. So, yeah, I only played the long game. Every time I played it, I played the long game, and I, I don't know. I, that's the way I like it because it seems like, in the very beginning, it takes you a while to get running, but then once you start getting your engine going, then it's just it's super fun. And I feel like if I played less than the long game, it wouldn't run as efficiently. But yeah, I love this game. There's just so much stuff you can do in normal Uve fashion. There's 40 buildings out there that you can use. You can use other people's buildings. You can use your own buildings. You can just collect this pile of stuff on the on the docks. You're turning in cows for meat. You're selling the cows to get a pile of money. Super good game. There's really no bad decisions, no bad choices. Everything's a good choice. You're trying to pick for between good, good choice one or good choice two. Super fun. I like it a lot, and that's love. You're not only making like meat patties, but also like leather boots out of the cows too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. No part goes to waste. Yep, they do a good job. <laughs> they use those. They use those bones for piano keys. Um, <laughs> the eyeballs are children's toys. It's pretty cool. Yep. Make money from it all. Well, my number one is, uh, well, man, I'll bet people have a guess. It's Caverna. Um, I went with Caverna. I just, I don't know. I really like this one better than another one that's similar to it um, because it feels like it's less punishing. It feels like there's a little more room to breathe in it. And it's just campy and weird. Like the fact that you're a dwarf that's like scratching out a very realistic living on a farm. And then at night you go home and you dig up gems and find magic in your cave. Like it's just a weird balance of like being a dwarf, which is absurd, but then the realities of being a, a dwarf that has to live through the hardships of trying to feed your family and like like raise a family in the way that they should be, you know? It's just I don't know, it's pretty cool. I love how it scales. Um I know there's another Uwe Rosenberg game that does this too, but it has like different board setups for different players. So it scales so well. Um, and this one plays from min to max players all really, really well. I wouldn't say there's one player count that's just like, oh man, it's outstanding at this one and not great at others for sure. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's just a neat little game. Just like, just like it. Um, the cave part that adds to it is kind of fun. And there's ways how the cave can bail you out at times. Um, if you've ignored something else or you get into a pinch because the spots that you can't pick on the main board aren't there. Um, Caverna. Yeah, this is one I haven't played. I want to, but then every time I think about playing it, because some people in my group have it, I just think, man, I don't really want to set that up. So I just play something else. You're correct for thinking that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's no worse than the one I'm going to talk about right now. I mean, it's probably worse, but it's little still still bad. So the one I'm going to talk about, my number one, is Agricola. I played this less than all the other ones, but I've still played it about, I think, four or five times. And the reason I like this one over the other ones, which I don't even think this was higher than La Hava, my top 100, which doesn't matter, but Agricola is just so mean. So you're going to these worker placement spots. You really need wood. Somebody goes to that wood spot and takes it from you. You really need some reed. Somebody goes to that reed spot. They make you go get the stupid two food. You have to feed your people. If you can't feed your people, you have to beg. If Sometimes you have to beg three times and you lose nine points at the end of the game. That's not good. 
Um, this game's cool. You can collect sheep, pigs, horses. A lot of people have issues because you're supposed to collect everything or you lose a bunch of points, but it is what it is. I mean, just get one horse and you're good to go. So if you like games that are punishing and have a lot of... This has a lot of worker placement spaces too, but not as much as Caverna, I don't think. But if you like Uwe, big, heavy games, I say check this one out, and that's Agricola. And you probably already played it anyway, so you don't need me telling you about it. The card play in this game is really cool. I mean, I that's think true. That's that is true. Worth worth mentioning. And there's a family variant that doesn't involve the cards, and it's so lame and so boring. And there's a guy in the local group here that will only play the family variant because he can math everything out. There's no luck in it. There's no chance that he's going to get thrown for a loop by a card that might be out there that it's hidden knowledge. And that's that's dumb. I think you need to have that lucky little bit of fun in there. So I I think uh, the cards really add to this game. Does Caverna have card play? Uh, you know what? I knew you were going to ask me that. I don't remember the card play really significantly in that, so I don't think there is, or it's not very heavy. I'm sure we'll get a correction on that. But um, yeah, I haven't. It's been yeah. a while since I played it. I just know that when I played it, man, I was like, oh, that's that feels a little bit richer than than Agricola for me. Um, it's honestly been over a year since I played it, and like, I don't know, guys, give us a break here. I mean, like, we played how many games did you play last year, Jason? Like three hundred and some. Yeah, and I played I played 100 unique games last year. So, I mean, yeah, me, I don't know. It's hard me, to keep too. them straight. Yeah, it was like 160 unique for me, yeah. Yeah, so um, I'm trying to remember. I can't – I don't think there is off the top of my head, but there might be. Um, but the card play is really cool in Agricola. I remember that being more rich, at least, in, in Agricola. So, um, yeah, pretty cool. Cool. Um, so, do you have any games that almost made your list? Well, yes, I do. Um Bonanza was definitely my number four game. I definitely like that one quite a bit as well. Um, I just, I don't know, I enjoy the bargaining thing on it as well. Um, Cottage Garden's really good. Um, it's the one I've played. Uh, actually, I take that back. I played the one that's in the autumn. Is that Cottage Garden? I don't remember. Um, but it's, you know, like you're just laying the tiles down. It's like a patchworky kind of game. Um, I think you're right, Cottage Garden, yeah. And then, and then Patrick, I've obviously played, but I don't care for Patrick that much, honestly. I, it just gets really samey every time you play it. Um, it's good for two players, I guess, in that kind of game. I, I do have it in my collection. I just don't love it. Um, and then uh, the final one is a game. Jason, I don't even know if you know about this game, like that it exists, but it's called Space Beans. And I know, I know of really it, but I've never played it. Yeah. Um, I have a copy of this game. I got it for free. Um, it's in the Bonanza family, but all the beans <laughs> are like in space and there's still one that's smoking cigarettes. So that's fun. We might be <laughs> blowing on his pistol. So, um, but it's, it's just a slightly different mechanic than Bonanza. I mean, like it's, it's still kind of a cool negotiating kind of whatever game. Um, but a little bit, di- a little different, um, than Bonanza and you're trying to see which bean can run the universe. So, um, I again, this game is literally twenty years old, and I think Bonanza is actually over twenty years old now that I think about it. So yeah, I think so. Um, pretty pretty campy game, but pretty fun. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, interesting. Uh, all right, so I don't have any more that I've played, but there are three that I've been wanting to play for a long time, and one is Caverna. I just don't want to set it up, but eventually I'll get around to playing it because I feel like I probably should play it. The next one I would like to play is called Mercator. I don't know if you've played this one or not. But it has like cool little boxes that have cubes in it and you're moving around the, the the countryside to try to collect different types of goods to fulfill contracts. I think that's what's going on with it. It looks fun and up my alley. And the third one, which is one that people don't particularly love, is the Gates of Lo Yang. I'd really like to try that one because it seems kind of interesting. Does it have nobles? It, it has customers. I don't know, actually. 
I mean, it's weird you haven't mentioned any games with nobles this this time around. Yeah, I don't think I did, actually. Mercator might have a noble in it. Huh. Yeah, I'll bet it does. We'll say it does. Sure. That sounds good. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, like, there's definitely cards in Caverna, by the way. But they're, like, the ones that go on the board. So, like, they're the worker placement cards. But I don't think there's, like, a hand of cards in it like there's an Agricola. Huh. Like, where, like, you have, like, professions and stuff. So. Yeah. I, I Man, I don't remember it. Like. Those games are similar enough too that I get them a little confused, but I'm, I'm man, if I'm wrong, just tell me, I guess. But I've never heard anybody say that there are cards in it, so I, I don't, I don't know. I don't think there is. There might be an, an expansion or something, but I don't think I've ever played with cards, so I'm, I don't know. I, that's bugging me that I don't remember off the top of my head, but yeah, I don't remember. Interesting, cool. I think there's ale. That's good, right? Ale and mead, yeah, that's always good for sure. Um, yeah. So this episode's really short, but I guess that's fine. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, I'm putting some long pauses in here so we at least can hit, like, I don't know, the 30-minute mark or something on this episode. <laughs> yeah, I think we've achieved that. It's been, you know, like, literally weeks since we've done our top somethings games, too. So I'm sure you guys missed that. Um, it's back. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> they they missed the top 20s. Well, I know we will be having some uh, interviews. I'm hoping to get a couple interviews done, too, while I'm off work, so... I know we have some really great interviews lined up. People who like interviews will be doing that. I know that Jason and I both like interviews because on the week when we don't do the interview, it's like, hey, can you sit down for 10 minutes with me and do some stuff? Yeah, sure. No problem. So um, anyway, I don't know. That's uh, that's cool. <laughs> yep. Agreed. Well, cool. Well, hey, uh, I guess use your extra time to set your clocks back an hour, then forward an hour or something. I don't know. Daylight savings time and weather, because I talk about it a lot. <laughs> yeah, you do. It's all right. We live in Ohio and Indiana. We have a lot of weather that changes and we get to watch. And daylight savings time is like the worst thing ever once you have children. You're like, why would... This is a bad prank. Yes, why does the government do this to it us? It is absolutely awful. That first day is awful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is. It's the pits, man. Yep. It's like... Yeah, it is the universe playing some kind of sick joke on parents, I think, for sure. You, you could tell me, like, you could run for president in 2020 and tell me that your platform is all about, like, you want to, like, I don't know, do something terrible, like, give everybody a pair of shoes made out of baby seal skin or something. But if you tell me that you're going to, like, get rid of daylight savings time, <laughs> I might vote for you. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a, t- <laughs> a toss-up, that's for sure. <laughs> well... I don't really have any baby sealskin shoes, and that's a terrible thing. That was my go-to example of something terrible. <laughs> so please don't complain that you think I want to make baby sealskin shoes. And if you're making a board game about making baby sealskin shoes um, because you think that we should make board games about things people like, like I don't like that. So maybe think about doing a different theme. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe make it about making Bigfoot a pair of slippers. I don't know. Something else. Out of sealskins. Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. He, Jay, Bigfoot's a vegan. We all know this. That's true. There's our subtitle. Bigfoot's a vegan. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, this is enough stupidity. Get back to work, people. Do something productive. I've been Joel, and I'm Jason. Keep gaming. Keep gaming.